Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. This is our series over here at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where we are going over phase two of Marvel's Infinity Saga. But before we, before we get to that, I'm once again joined by Cameron Gerganis. How are you doing today, sir? Or should I say I am him? swell. Swell, my friend. Got to play disc golf two different courses today i've been playing disc golf my friend since like 12 p.m today that's like a I literally, is that like a sunday tradition for you it's a weekend tradition we try to go saturday and sunday but i've never played two different courses in one day we played the one in farmville and we played the one in greenville um north rec nice one of the three in greenville nice nice i did really good today too How'd you do? I think I got like my final score. I got par on every single basket. That's pretty awesome. Every single basket got par. It's pretty good. It's solid. Solid. Now, I've never played Frisbee golf. I've only seen people play Frisbee golf, but it looks like a lot of fun. I could teach you, and I feel like you have potential. You do really good. Thank you, thank you. That might that might be an adventure for another different weekend, but this weekend I didn't do too much today. Especially, I, I've I've just been kind of laying around. This weekend was Carly's birthday, so we just celebrated that and had a good old time. Lots of cake. Lots of lots cake. of cake. That sounds amazing. Uh. It it is at first, but then after uh, like three different kinds, it, it it just becomes becomes too sweet, and I need something salty. <laughs> like that scene in The Grinch was like, "Is that all you got?" Pretty much, is that all you got? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was it was a it was a really good weekend. Just got to hang out with uh, Carly and and family. It was it was quite nice. Um, have you seen anything recently that you would want to recommend or? Not recommend. Yes. Okay. What you got? And I forgot to mention it last time. Okay. What you got? If you have not watched it, watch The Righteous Gemstones. It's available on HBO Max. It's the same writers. You know this, but I'm telling our listeners, it's the same writers who did Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals. It is funny. It's got some of the same people from both those series. And, you know, the premise of it is it's basically following one of those families that runs like a chain of mega churches. And in this universe that they've established, they are like the most famous church organization in the world. Like, and it so like dates back like the 80s. You said what now? Like a Joel Olstein type? Yes, but from the outside, it looks as if it would be like blasphemous and everything, but it is not. And it is hilarious. It's got John Goodman, Danny McBride, Walter Goggins. Um, is it Walter or Walton? <laughs> it might be Walton. I don't know, but oh, it, I'm pretty it. sure it's Walter. I'll be. I think I'm fifty percent sure on that. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since you said Walton, I'm thinking I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Walton. I think. Hold on, can I look it up? Yeah, go for it. I'm gonna look at it right now. But yeah, going I, I've, I've going never, up. I've never seen the show. I think I've seen the trailers for it. I 
did love it. Is Walton. <laughs> it's Walton. It's Walton. Walton <laughs> Not me. Yeah. At least you knew who I was talking about. Of though. course. I, dude, he is one of my favorite character actors. He is so good at playing a slimy character. Like, I love his attitude, too. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's great. I, I, I love him in just about everything he does. But Righteous Gemstones, yes, please watch it. There's like eight episodes in it. It's so good. And um, I'm trying to think what else he's been in, dude. Uh, the guy who plays Danny McBride's son in this. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. I'm going to see if you know who he is. I'm looking him up real quick. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. Um, yeah, I. Uh, you know this this guy. He's young. He's a young actor, but I know you've seen him. What's the name of the show again? Right, the Righteous Gemstones. The Righteous Gemstones. Okay, I'm gonna look. And their last name is Gemstone. Let's see. Let's see here. Righteous Gemstones. It's so funny, dude. Yeah, so here we go. It is uh, Annie Devine? Adam Devine? No, uh, his name is Gideon. The son's name is Gideon. Gideon. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's a child. I mean, he's not a child. He's a young... Oh! In Booksmart, he's the guy whose friend is like that crazy chick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen him on uh, vacation. He was in vacation. Yes, yes, he yes, yes. I, was trying, yeah. I wanted to say We're the Millers, but I know the kid who's in We're the Millers, and it's not him. No, 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 no. We both have freckles up. <laughs> well, you know what? I'll check out the show. I'll check it out. It's good, dude. It's not like blasphemous or anything it's good they do it so good and john goodman it's probably my favorite character well john goodman's he's he's great man he's one of the funniest roles i've ever seen him do within the big lebowski it's one of my favorite funny roles in in general love that classic um for me this week it's been pretty slow in regards to like things i've watched i've i've this week was so busy with work and everything there wasn't really and there, there also wasn't really anything coming out new to catch. But I was able to watch the fifth episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, and it was indeed fantastic. It got away from feeling like a show with ADD and got back to the basics of the characters. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, Wyatt Russell is freaking crushing it as John Walker in this show too, man. He is... He is really really good i i like him as an actor a lot i've liked him ever since i saw him in uh, 22 jump street um him and daniel Brühl as zemo might be the standouts of this show but the anchors and the mvps are for sure anthony mackie and sebastian stan as sam and bucky i love the dynamic between them and what they're doing with them as characters and i love that this show continues to show why steve passed on the sh- the shield to sam and why that is uh, and I, I, I won't say much more than that because I want to do a full review on this show at the end of it, but I really dig this show, man. It is, it's freaking awesome. Have you seen it yet? 
Still haven't watched yet. My goodness. And I bet you haven't finished Justice League yet, have you? I finished it this week, actually. You finished Zack Snyder's Justice League. A little bit. Did you love huh? it? Did you love it? Do you I loved it? it. You want some more of it? Yep. Um, there's, I, I will still say this, and not that I didn't love all of it, but there's no reason in the world why a movie needs to be four hours long. I would have watched that the first time, but it would be hard for me to plan a good chunk of my day to be devoted to that movie. Well, the good thing um, is, but, is it is split up into chapters, so you don't have to. Because I but, guarantee you there are people out there that watch four hours worth of television in their day, just clicking episode to episode to episode. Oh, yeah. But I will say this. I am going to be watching it again. I'm really upset that the original Justice League even fucking came out. Um, that's how strongly I feel about it. I'm cursing about it. <laughs> um, and it, it's it's just like ten times better. It's so cool. And yeah. it would have been a good addition to the universe. Like, I don't know why Zack Snyder gets so much hate because I've never not enjoyed a Zack Snyder movie. Even I was even, not um, the biggest fan of, of Sucker Punch. I got what it was going for, and I appreciate what it was going for. Um, but, you know, it could be a movie that I just need to revisit, and maybe I think differently on it. I've been known to do that from time to time, like the movie we're going to discuss today. <laughs> I had to watch Sucker Punch on subtitles to like it. And I know that's really weird, but there was stuff I was missing. I mean, I was like and that with also, Tenet, so that makes sense. You said what? I was like that with Tenet. I had to watch it with subtitles because it helped me keep up with it a little bit better. So, <laughs> I still need to rewatch Tenet yeah. for the second time. Um, But it's like... It's still confusing as fuck <laughs> to watch. Like it's still, that first time watching it really did a number on my brain. <laughs> like, what was the part? What was I cannot? I remember me and you were laughing about something. There was one part in this movie, and I. <laughs> it's because we were confused, and we were like happy. We were like slap happy sleep sleepy while we were watching it. And that's why. And that's why we had to watch it again. It's ridiculous. But it's a, that Tenet is another good movie. Um, I might have to rewatch Sucker Punch. But like I was saying, another movie that I rewatched was the one that we're covering this week. And as I said at the top of the show, we will be covering Phase 2 of the MCU. And last week, we got to discuss our uh, overall thoughts on Phase 1 and we covered what you know, what I think is the most underrated film in the MCU with Iron Man three, and I think you pretty much enjoyed it as much as I did, right? Or a little less. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't listened, I highly suggest going back and, and giving that a listen, as it was a ton of fun to shoot about that movie. I love that movie. Uh, this week we're moving on to the next chapter uh, within Phase Two, and the second chapter in the Thor franchise. Thor The Dark World, a film directed by Alan Taylor, starring Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Tom Hiddleston, Anthony Hopkins, 
Christopher Eccleston, Jamie Alexander, Idris Elba, uh, Rene Russo, Kat Dennings, and uh, Stellan Skarsgård. If you aren't familiar with Thor The Dark World, the plot synopsis reads like such according to Google. In ancient times, the gods of Asgard fought and won a war against an evil race known as the Dark Elves. The survivors were neutralized, and their ultimate weapon, the Aether, was buried in the secret location. Hundred of years later, Jane Foster finds the Aether and becomes its host, for forcing Thor to bring her to Asgard before Dark Elf Malekith captures her and uses the weapon to destroy the Nine Realms, including Earth. Like I said, uh, this is the second entry in the Thor franchise and is widely considered to be the weakest Marvel film. In fact, it has the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score of any Marvel film. Uh, whether or not I share that opinion, I'll save for later. But, Cam, where do you stand on this film? Did Did you like it? Did you love it? Uh, did you did you enjoy it when you first saw it? And how does it compare to how you feel about it now? I really enjoyed it when I first saw it, and I still like it now. Um, like, I think people have gotten carried away and misconstrued a lot, like. A lot of people are saying it's like the most hated Marvel film, but like anytime you look up articles about it, that's not true. It's the most forgettable Marvel film. It's not like the most hated, I don't think, because I really enjoy it. Um, I like a lot of stuff about this movie. Uh, visually, it's really cool to watch. Um, I like everything about the Dark Elves and... When I first heard that that was like the villain, I had no idea what their vision was in mind. Like when I hear dark elves, um, you know, I was thinking elves, but like maybe like little evil and stuff like that. It sounded like, you know, something from Magic the Gathering, a Yu-Gi-Oh card yeah. or something like that. But like when I saw Christopher, how do you say his last name? It's uh, uh, Christopher Eccleston. Eccleston. Um, when I saw him as Malekith, Malekith honestly, is one of my favorite – it might be my favorite Phase 2 villain, even though he's so forgettable and everything, but his look is really cool. Um, the Dark World is awesome. Uh, I like the ships and everything. Um, I really like – I forget what his name. I think it's Cursed or something yeah, like that. Cursed. Um, I like when they crush that thing and transform into that monster, especially the main one that stays with him the whole movie. That's like his muscle, his bodyguard. Um, I thought that was really cool. There's a lot with the villains and everything that I really, really like. Now, one thing that I need answered is how in the world did the ether go from the liquid into a stone? Like who did that and how did they get well, that? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> but... Yeah, I really, really, really like this movie. Like, it's it's cool. It's it's fun to watch. Yeah, it was a really good and time. And we saw this Darcy together. Love Darcy. Cat Dennings as Darcy. Love Natalie Portman. Um, I would have been really interested to see what Patty would have done with this material. I'm sad that that was abandoned and everything, but I'm sure you'll get to that later. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, I, I enjoy it. I love it. Yeah, and. Again, you and I saw this together. 
I think the first time yes, we did. the first time you saw it was with me. I had seen it one time before. We saw it after my bodybuilding show, my first one. That's right. Mm-hmm. I left. Uh, we left that, and I went to the movies with you. And I remember falling asleep in it, mostly because I was so exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have fallen asleep too, I ate but all that food I still, and had I still that, understand. Like, after, yeah, which happens. Um, I was tired from coaching. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! But the first time I saw Thor: The Dark World was uh, at my my last employee screening at the theater I worked at, the same one where I saw Iron Man three. It was a cool experience for that reason because you know I loved working there and I, I, I love the people that I worked with. I was pretty pumped. Too, because while I enjoyed Thor for the most part, I was still riding that similar high from Iron Man 3, and I wanted to see the fallout of what happened post Avengers for, you know, Thor and Loki. You know, the trailer teased something pretty mysterious regarding the villains. It, It seemed very epic in terms of the scale and the team up between Thor and Loki to conquer an even greater threat seemed really cool i was really looking forward to that that tease of thor and loki teaming up it seemed like a surefire win considering chris hemsworth and tom hiddleston have such great chemistry and even though we got to see that in thor and avengers it wasn't as much as i would have wanted or as much as it seemed like now having rewatched these these films uh i i left the theater really enjoying it, but I remember some of my friends weren't big fans of it at the time. Uh, I really enjoyed the action. I thought the visuals were great and I loved the dynamic between, you know, Thor and Loki. And of course, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston were outstanding. Having said that though, this seemed, you know, really heavy on plot and not as heavy in, 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 in terms of, you know, character development. Natalie Portman kind of felt wasted and her performance wasn't particularly good either, which, you know, she wasn't really given much, but, and the comedy bits that worked for the most part in the first movie didn't work as well here either. Um, over the year, over the years, I would say this is probably the Marvel film. I, I go back to the least because I, you know, while I still, enjoyed it and i found it entertaining it didn't you know i didn't have or find enough reason to go back and watch this as as opposed to some of my my other marvel favorites and re-watching it for this pod I understand why it didn't uh this movie is very chaotic and sort of all over the place for me it doesn't really all again offer much in terms of moving the characters forward it is more concerned with moving the overall plot of the infinity saga forward, which makes for a film that's not really investing for, for me again, just for me, it just seems like a decent side journey for Thor that sets him up for the next Avengers movie rather than progressing the character. He stays stagnant within this movie and doesn't progress much beyond what we saw at the end of the last Thor movie and Avengers. The only character who progresses a bit is Loki who is becoming more 
of his own person and this agent of chaos who we never really know what he's going to do or what's what what is up his sleeve is he a good guy or a bad guy we don't really know and i do love that aspect he's very much moved on from wanting dad's approval and is you know more concerned with setting setting out on his his own path no matter how he gets there natalie portman also suffers from a character standpoint in this movie too. You know, she isn't given much to do other than complain about Thor leaving and is used as a plot device more than anything else, which, you know, I have 100% faith Taika Waititi is going to do something different with that character. And I, I can't wait. And another thing that I don't like is Odin is, is super inconsistent as a character in this movie and especially compared to the first movie, it seems like his character motivations and everything they flip on a whim, depending on what the movie needs really. And the villains are very much, I know you love them, but the, and I love the design. I, I think they're kind of an afterthought. Um, they, but they are very, very cool looking. Um, again, the comedy doesn't land as much for me and it doesn't make, it makes it more painful that you can tell they set up for a laugh and it doesn't land and it's just like dead, dead silence. So it doesn't, it doesn't work as well. Uh, overall, I, I watch this movie now and why, while I don't think it's bad, I also don't think it's particularly very good either. It's very entertaining in, in, in spots with some, some really good highlight sequences that we'll get to and favorite scenes and moments. But this movie just feels like filler. And it can it can be it can be hollow at some at points. And I know you're giving me this glare like you like you hate me. And I'm sorry. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. No, you're good. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's not bad. This movie's not, I don't think it's bad, but I also don't think it's particularly good either. It's fine. It's fine. It's kinda it's about around the same level of the Avengers for me. It's fine. It's entertaining. It, there's nothing that like, I'm like, oh my God, this movie's trash. No, it's well-made. It's a well-made movie, but it's just not for me. Um, I disagree with the comedy. Um, I... <laughs> There's some really funny parts of this movie, like with the dialogue where like Darcy crashes her date in the, in the beginning and she's like, oh, wow, you're not in your house eating ice cream. You're out on a date. Look at you. You got on lady clothes and you took a shower too, didn't you? You smell good. Like, <laughs> it's like, damn, Darcy, why you got to call a girl out like that? <laughs> I love cat knitting so much. It's hard for me to like... If it's comedy and it's, she's included in it, like, okay, I'll listen. I'll, I'll pay attention to this. Like, I didn't like that footage was spent on, you know, her on a date, dinner, and shit like that. But shit like that. But, like, it was funny. It was at least funny to me. So I'm going to let it slide. Fair enough. It's a yes for me, dog. So the Rotten Tomato score for this movie, as I was saying earlier, it's the lowest rated out of all the MCU. Now, this is not my least favorite MCU movie. Again, I don't like it that much. It, you know, it's 
probably it's in the lower tier. Um, I, I would put it above Ant Man and the Wasp for for sure. I'm not really particularly looking forward to covering that one. Or Captain. Wait, Marvel. what was the uh, Rotten Tomato score? Yeah, it's it's sixty six percent. With it, oh, that's not no, it's not. It, that's not. That's a fresh score. That's like that's the thing. Like the like this is the worst MCU movie. If you're looking just at the uh, tomato or on Rotten Tomatoes, and if your worst score is sixty six, it's still positive. They don't have a rotten right. movie anywhere. Like that's that's great. That 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 is consistent. That is that is very consistent. Um, the consensus for this uh, score is. It may not be the finest film to come from Marvel Universe, but Thor The Dark World still offers plenty of humor and high-stakes action that fans have come to expect. Uh, this, again, is, is much like The Avengers for me, except this time I feel like I'm not as much in the minority on my thoughts on it, as opposed to Avengers. when It's like that meme where you see uh, Finn, what's his name, Finn Ryder, when he has all the, like, from uh, Tangle, where he has all the swords pointed at his throat. When I say I don't like the Avengers, like all the swords pointed at my <laughs> so yeah. Whenever I say that, uh, but this it's still you know swords pointed at my throat, but not as many. Uh, again, though, I, I do think this movie is it's not awful. It's entertaining, and and the dynamic between Thor and Loki is outstanding. So it's it's this movie's not horrible. It's not horrible. You you look de- you look devastated. Oh, do I? Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing to apologize for. This is just a discussion between friends among amongst friends. You know, discussing movies, just dudes being bros. Of course. Uh, but let's move on to some fun facts here. Chris Hemsworth grew out his hair for over a year to have he more did. authentic long hair rather than use a wig like he did in Thor. Yeah, growing out your hair is a process, man. Having it having is. done it twice, it it is it is a process. You go through that awkward stage, especially if it's curly like mine, curly and wavy. I don't like the awkward stage. No. I kind of have one right now. I need a haircut. Uh, but it, it, it is it requires a lot of dedication. It does. It does. It looks fine. Thank you. Uh, Loki was originally not going to appear at all in this movie. And there was... Yeah, I know, right? And there was going to be much greater focus on Malekith and the Dark Elves following his popularity in Avengers, though. The script was rewritten to give him a big role. So, again, I preface this by saying fun facts are just facts that get off the internet. I have no idea if they're true or false. Uh, so take everything you hear on here with a grain of salt. Um, I just look up these facts. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm split on this because I think this might be Loki's best movie. I think it might be his best movie, but. I think the Malekith and the dark elves really got shafted. Because there's not a whole hell of a lot about them that we really know about or care. They're just kind of there. Except I say we, me, for me to care. Um, There's not a whole lot there that I cared about. 
And I wanted to know more. I wanted to care about their motivations other than they want to, to destroy the world because, you know, they want to plunge it into darkness because they were around for this many years before the big bang happened or whatever. Um, I, I really would have liked to have seen more of them, but would I like to sacrifice getting what I think is the best Loki? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm indifferent on it, but I do think this movie could have, would have been better had it focused more on the villains a little bit more and fleshed them out and their motivations. Cause I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. Cause they are kind of just there, but going back to what I said before at the start of the show, I like the look of them. But they did not give them any character depth whatsoever. All we know is Malekith wants the ether, wants to plunge the world into darkness, and also has beef with Asgardians. You know, that's it. But you don't know what their planet was really like. You don't know. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. 100%. But they look cool. Yeah, they do look cool. And that's enough for me. They they look really cool. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, but they look cool, and that's enough for me. <laughs> they do look cool. That's not all I care about. Um, because of the height difference between the two, a box and later a ramp had to be used in some of the close-up kissing scenes between Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth. This is bullcrap. Look, <laughs> I know, I hate it. I hate it. When it's either an actor or an actress, they have to make the actor appear as tall as the actress, or they have to make the uh, actress as tall as the actor. Why not just use their authentic heights? Chris Hemsworth, or not Chris, Chris Christopher Nolan did this in Tenet, and it worked great. Um, the woman in that movie is a um, really good actress. I am forgetting her name, but she's a very tall woman. And they didn't shy away from that. Uh, they showed her full height. And she made, you know, John David Washington look, you know, short. Because she's very tall. And I wish... Was it Elizabeth Debicki? Yes, it was. And I wish that they would... It's, I, I wish that that trend would stop. Just use people's actual heights. That's ridiculous. Right. It's ridiculous. I agree. Um... There were about 30 hammers made for Thor of various weights for different uses. The main hammer was made from aluminum, but it was replicated in different materials and weights, including a soft version for stunts. Of the 30, five versions were used the most often, including the light hammer that emits light when lightning strikes. Here's the thing. The reason I put this fun fact in here is because hopefully one day someone will just be kind enough to send me one. That would be wonderful. Right. Right. <laughs> I, that would be so I wish they would auction off some Marvel props. Like Now, if you could have one, which one which one would you rather have? Stormbreaker or Mjolnir? Stormbreaker. Yeah, I agree. Stormbreaker's really awesome. That axe was amazing. It, it is so cool, but he should have aimed for the head. That is a pod for another time, though. That is a pod for another time. 
Also, it's like Groot's arm. <laughs> That's true. Um, a new language was created specifically for the Dark Elves. That's pretty <laughs> cool. But that is a lot of work considering, you know, they're not really in the movie that much. And when they but, are, they're not. I like that attention to detail, though. I do, too. Like, Christopher Eccleston is, like, getting mad and furious and, like, chatting with his comrade in that language. Like, and I'm just like, damn, dedication, bro. But here's the thing. It would have been ten times cooler had they, you know, fleshed out those characters a bit more. Yeah. yeah. Mid- you're right, you're right. The mid-credit scene was directed by James Gunn. And it ties into Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, this is this is a cool, well-known fact. Yes, um, it is. I love that movie. I love it so much. And James Gunn is awesome. It's crazy how they have like directors just for a mid-credit scene. I know, right? Speaking of directors, Alan Taylor was unhappy <laughs> with how this movie turned out. Although he had Alan Taylor, the director. Ah. He directed a bunch of uh, episodes of Game of Thrones, and then he directed Terminator Genesis, which I like. (laughs) I remember liking. I know a lot of people don't. That's okay, though. Um, (laughs) Although he received full creative freedom while the movie was shot, he stated the studio has turned it into a different movie during post-production a situation he hoped to never repeat and doesn't wish upon anybody else. It's unfortunate how often this seems to happen with big blockbusters within these franchises. I get the pressure that the studio feels in order to make, especially when you're tying in cinematic universes, everything fit together and feel unified. But if you have a certain vision, why not stop and get the director that wants to execute that vision instead of forcing a director's hand, chopping something up, and then making something different out of it. It just seems like no one ends up being happy, and the audience usually can tell, especially after the fact. Um, so I, I, that that's unfortunate. That's the first... Like, I remember reading this. I was like, oh, I, I did not know this. I know there was some drama and it's we'll, we'll get to it um, down here. But there was some drama with Patty Jenkins and everything that was. But I didn't I, I never knew about the Alan Taylor stuff. Yeah, I didn't know about that either. That's crazy. I wonder what it would have been like without the post edit or, you know, with his editing and everything. Yeah, no, I know. I, I mean, I'm curious. There are some things in this movie that they tease like the love triangle with Lady Sif and Jane and Thor, and it right. never goes beyond that. Release the Alan Taylor cut. Get it trending. <laughs> I don't even have Twitter anymore. <laughs> um, I had to make one for my uh, for my stream. I I may create another one someday soon. It depends. Right now, I just yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I think you should in the future. Do what? I think you should in the future. I might. I might. An abandoned plot line was to have Dr. Jane Foster turn into a villain by the ether and destroy, um, 
I can't even pronounce that word. It's the homeland of the Dark Elves. Sabathheim? Uh, hold on. Look at, I'm looking at... I'm, I remember I, I specifically learned how to pronounce it. Okay. You look that up and I'll continue with this. As the show, as as a show of her power before going to Earth, she was supposed to destroy this realm. Um, it was dropped in favor of keeping the focus on Malekith and not introducing a villain before the finale. Uh, yeah, it would have given Jane, Doctor Jane Foster, you know, something to do though. Besides, again, pining over Thor, and even if she is the villain, it it, it still would have given her more to do and made her more of a central focus versus just being there. You know, that's what it seemed. Right. Uh, did you find the name of the place? Svartalfheim. Nice. Yeah. I can't pronounce that. I'm not going to try. <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> it's a rough one. That is, that is, that is rough. <laughs> That is rough. I always, I suck at pronun- uh, pronunciation anyway. So like, oof. Svartalfheim. Yeah. I, I know that there's always supposed to be a heim in it. So you just have to do your best to pronounce the rest of the word and then make sure you pronounce I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> um, like Vanaheim. So we talked about this a little bit. Um, Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins was officially announced as the director of this movie uh, in December 2011 she backed out of the project due to creative differences, which is the dreaded word you never like to hear. According to her in later interviews, it was supposed to be like a Romeo and Juliet kind of story, which sounds really awesome. Uh, Cause you know, I love, I loved wonder woman. I am sort of a defender of wonder woman, 1984. Although there is some questionable things in that movie. I, I still enjoy it, but I, <laughs> I don't, you know, everyone has a bad day at the office. Uh, Patty Jenkins is the, the, the director that got Charlize Theron her first Academy Award. So, you know, I, I trust in Patty Jenkins, not to mention she's about to direct Rogue Squadron from Star Wars. So very excited about that. I think she would have knocked this out of the park, especially with the idea. It sounded like she had. Uh, and Natalie Portman was publicly upset that talks between Marvel and Patty Jenkins broke down. Some sources even claim she threatened to not take part in the movie with another director, but she couldn't get out of the project. And of course, Patty Jenkins wound up directing Wonder Woman in 2017, which is a great movie. Um, Now, the description of... Obviously, this is a description from her, but like this Romeo and Juliet type story. Would you have liked to see that, seen that in in Thor? I think personally, I I would have because it would have given Jane something, you know, a little bit more to do. I wonder what she would have done, you know, with that. Yeah, I'm interested to like release the Patty Jenkins cut (laughs) also. Um, (laughs) I think she probably would have done a good job with it. I agree. Also, though, I hate the whole. It's kind of like what you mentioned on our last podcast. Like, I remember the article that I read for Thor: The Dark World, and it had the same thing that you were talking about last podcast, where it was like the studio doesn't believe that strong female-driven parts will sell action figures. 
It's like that's not true. That's that's not true. Okay. Yeah, that's not true at all. It's not true at all, and it's been proven it's wrong. Really not. <laughs> Look at all the Ray action figures. Well, not even that. You know, there, there's so many characters in history that are you know strong female characters that men and women love. This idea that you can't have a strong female character and it won't work. Just, I don't think it holds water. I, th- I think it. I know dudes with Katniss Everdeen action figures. Listen, if I could get my hands on a Katniss Everdeen uh, action figure, that would be pretty cool. I don't know if they ever made one. Like from the last movie. They did. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Didn't know that. I didn't know it either. <laughs> like, it's a Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, wow, that's unique. I haven't seen that. <laughs> Uh, speaking of like the black bow and everything, <laughs> so like, is that Hawkeye's daughter? He's like, no, it's Captain Everdeen. <laughs> now I feel like I need to do the the finger salute and the. <laughs> uh, Idris Elba, speaking of frustrations with this movie, has said he disliked working on it as a constant, as the constant reshoots were exhausting and time consuming. He even referred to working on this movie as torture. That sucks. <laughs> when actors are, are coming out and, and saying stuff like that, that that sucks. I wish it was a better experience for these people. I mean, you can't tell on the, the finished product with him. He was, Idris Elba is always great, which by the way, if you like Idris Elba, go watch Concrete Cowboys. It's really good. It's on Netflix. Very good in it. Uh. I Concrete Cowboys. Yes. Now, it's a serious movie, so don't go into it thinking, you know, it's going to cheer you up. It might not, but it, it is it is a very heartwarming movie. I enjoyed it. I watched Grave of the Fireflies in the theater, so I think I can handle serious movies. You'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, director Alan Taylor wanted Asgard in this movie to have more of a natural look. Uh, he's quoted as saying the first door was quite shiny and it was very, uh, it was a very conscious smart choice. I wanted to get more of a sense of the Viking quality, the texture and the weight of history. They've been around for thousands of years um, and they executed it perfectly. I think this movie is more, is more beautiful looking than the first door. Uh, to achieve this, the crew filmed on the coast of Norway for three days, capturing six hours of footage. Asgardian structures were uh, then embedded over this footage. It's pretty cool. Uh, and I think it, it, it paid off because uh, it it's a beautiful... This movie's a beautiful-looking movie. It, it really is. Uh, Tom Hiddleston described Loki as a firework in this movie um he's quoted as saying well where next what's going what's he going to do what level of remorse does he have if he does have any remorse or regret why who does he feel guilty in front of and who does he laugh in the face of what's his motivations is if he stands to win what does he stand to win as a character you you have all these new motivations, but as an actor, or as an actor, I am absolved uh, from playing a hero or a villain. 
I just, I'm just a live, live wire. And that was more fun than I can possibly tell you. And dude, Cam, he is freaking killing it in this movie. And you can tell he's having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Tom Hiddleston, I, words cannot describe how much I loved Loki's character all across the movies. And also, as a side note, I am really excited for the Loki TV series. I cannot wait, dude. That's the one that I am most excited for. And June, it cannot come fast enough, dude. Um, I'm so excited to see what they do with the TVA because, let me tell you, I am not as read up as other people on the obscure Marvel stuff, but the TVA... The Time Variance Authority? Oh, I'm just looking forward to Wow Man being in it. Wow. The setup of this TV show has the potential to show us some pretty juicy stuff about the MCU. Are you just going going to ignore my Owen Wilson reference? Wow. Oh, I didn't hear you. My bad. I was talking over you. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I thought you were just like, you know what? That's low-hanging fruit. I'm just going to ignore that. No, I appreciate, dude. I appreciate an Owen Wilson. Wow, wow. I love, I love Owen Wilson, man. Wow, <laughs> that sounded like a cat. <laughs> it did. Uh, wow. <laughs> this is the first. Uh, this is the last fun fact, but this is the first Marvel Studios movie to start with just the Marvel Studios logo. Um, aptly enough, starting with the movie. The logo has been given an update as well as fanfare written by Brian Taylor. Can we, can we talk about that for a minute? Because I'm glad that you brought this up. I'm glad that this is a fun fact. I like this fanfare better than the current one. Because this one sounds more epic to me for some reason. I remember seeing it in the theater. Like, you know, this is the first time I'd like seen that in front of a Marvel movie. Usually it's just a like flipping oh, yeah, the of the pages yeah. or a song or something. And this is just like, bah, 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 bah. and I was like, okay, okay, okay. Wow. Yeah. This, this, this seems like it's getting ready to be epic. Well, this is like Marvel was starting to game. St- well, at this point. Like, as much as I loved Iron Man 3, it left some fans divided. And then this one is kind of the same. So they were kind of losing a little bit of steam before they were starting to pick it back up again with the Winter Soldier, which you and I talked about on a podcast before. Um, And to this day, I still think that's a lot of people's favorite Marvel film. And then, of course, the one I think it's the I've said this before and I'll always keep saying it. The one-two punch of Winter Soldier and Guardians is what set the tone away from the Joss Whedon-y Marvel stuff more, which they still kind of hold on to a little bit, but it it it's not as much as like the Russo or uh, Gunn voice, James Gunn voice that has just carried over into the MCU and made everything. I think their voice within the MCU has made the difference. 
I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, when do we get to Guardians? Do what? Isn't Guardians in Phase 2? It is. When do we get to Guardians? So Is that after Ultron? Yeah, uh, no, it's actually it's before. Oh, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk about Guardians with you. Oh, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of fun. But before we get to our award section, we're going to take a quick break to let you hear an ad from our sponsor. And we are back. Thank you so much to our sponsor over here at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. We really appreciate that. But we are going to move on to favorite scenes and moments in our award section. Um, Loki going back and forth with Odin. So I Loki seems a bit different here in comparison to uh, the first Thor and the first Avengers. He's a bit more jovial and less sadistic. He he has like this, you know, that chip on his shoulder in the first two movies mm-hmm. that we see him in. This one, he's he's again more jovial. I will say, the way that Anthony Hopkins say says birthright, your birthright was to die. He like he puts an infinite on a frozen rock. Yeah, he puts an emphasis on the T. It's it's an interesting choice there. Um, one thing I will say, if Odin lo- loves Loki, why would he say, if it wasn't for Frigga, you would be dead? Or something along those lines. It, like, it's a bit harsh from a father who claims to lo- love both his children. But you. But under- he also just tried to enslave Earth and rule over them. I was, so lo- I feel like Odin... I was about to say, like, I understand it, though. I understand his anger. But it like to me, like it it just goes to show in comparison to the first one how much this relationship has gone south. Like it's pretty unsalvageable at this point. Also, he pretty much just teamed up with Thanos. <laughs> I know. Which is pretty freaking crazy. Um Battle of uh, Vanaheim. What do you think about this scene, man? I liked it, but why do I feel like Thor just like killed one of Korg's relatives? Hey, it's me. I'm cold. Um, it was cool. I liked it because you got to see one of the other nine realms, Vanaheim. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the look of Vanaheim. I like the like structures in the background the huge rock structures yeah this movie's again it's very beautiful looking like it reminds me of like looking at like something like you would see in lord of the rings you know very yeah very practical you know i like how the look of the inhabitants of vanaheim looked like a mix between star wars and like i remember specifically one of the people the big horned guy yep that was a really cool um, look. That I like. I like what they did with the people of the different realms. Like yeah. that was cool. Vanaheim was dope. Yeah, I just I think it was a really cool opening battle sequence. You know, again we talked about it. It's shot in real location, which makes it feel more grand. Um, mm-hmm. But you were, you said earlier, pretty sure the rock uh, thing <laughs> is the same creature as Korg, but certainly less cool. 
And hopefully that wasn't a family member of Korg's, because if it was, <laughs> then I would be really upset. Unless, of course, it was a stepdad who he hates. <laughs> yeah, true. I forgot about in that. In which case, I would be very, very happy, because Korg deserves nothing but happiness, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Loki and Frigga's scene. Uh, I think this this sequence is quite good. Again, this movie's not as he- heavy on the character development aspect, but <laughs> this scene is is very good. Um, I wish we had gotten more stuff like this in the first movie to establish a bit better that Loki was a bit closer with Frigga, his mom, than he was his father. I mean, they kind of hint at it, but it's not really as much there. Uh, you can tell in this sequence, Loki is he's still bitter towards Odin for many things, but in particular for lying to him and he views him as a hypocrite which is sort of true especially once we get to to ragnarok and his actions of inconsistency throughout this movie um loki doesn't feel the same way in regards to his mother though you you can tell when he shouts shouts out you know he is not my father and she he he really means it he's like no he's not my father i don't like him i i don't i I hate him. Um, but when she asks him, you know, then am I not your mother? And he gets this look on his face. You can tell he's lying and he doesn't believe it when he says you're not. He can't he can't lie to his mother the way he 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 does to his father. He you know, she knows him. And the way that he acts out is because of his bitterness uh, of feeling like he's in the shadow of Thor and is, you know, is searching for purpose after you know the, the his true heritage is revealed and it was kept secret from him when he was a child and growing up his self-destructive behavior to find a uh, you know his true place is just as hypocritical as hypocritical as odin claims to be and or as he claims odin to be and frigga kind of calls him out on this too and i just i really enjoyed this dynamic i wish we would have gotten a little bit more of their um, relationship in this movie or just in general in Thor. What is your, what are your, what are your thoughts on this sequence, man? Um, I like it because I really, you get to learn more about Frigga and Loki's relationship. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know that, you know, that's where Loki got his magic from. Yes. Um, was that ever mentioned in the first movie? I don't think so. That was like a detail that was revealed in this movie, right? Yeah, it's not it's not really mentioned in the first movie. I don't I don't think. Um, but a couple. I'll have to go back and watch the first Thor, but I think that's why I like this scene, because like. It's like little details like that that are interesting to me. Yeah. And also, you know, it kind of it's kind of sweet, you know, that she actually did love Loki and she actually does care about what happens to him. Yeah. And you see it actually does hurt her heart that he's like he's doing, in this situation. He's going, yeah, he's going down this path, which I think you know, Odin really loves Loki as well. But right, just that relationship is so 
he's being a huge tough father right now yeah. because Loki doesn't understand the gravity of his actions and everything. Well, he and just he's doesn't like care. Making a joke of everything right. Yeah. Loki's Loki, but I, that was that was kind of a heartwarming moment for me. Um, I think it's, I think this is one of the more necessary scenes of this movie. Yeah, it's a it's a good sequence that sets up some other stuff in the future. Speaking of mm-hmm. which, it's, it kind of sets up the attack on Asgard, you know, and the guilt yeah. for for Loki. I I really love this sequence. I think it's awesome. I love that they set up, you know, at the beginning of this, which they already do. They already established this kind of love triangle from Odin hinting at Thor. Uh and then the camera panning over to her. And then of course her talking to Thor after they, they are done with the, the battle at uh Vanaheim and trying to get his focus more on this world. And then here, you know, we get this side eye between Jane and Sif, but they don't really do anything with it. I feel like there were, there was more left on the cutting room floor especially with that angle. Uh, but moving on from that, getting to see, you know, Heimdall in the action and taking out the ships by himself is super freaking cool. Cause that's like the first, there was some little action bits in the first door, but here, especially you get to see Idris Elba kick ass. And I thought it was great. And the dog fights between Asgard, the Asgard and dark, dark elf ships is really freaking cool and awesome. It's well paced. The ships crashing into the throne room is awesome. Seeing Frigga kicking the crap out of Malekith. She kicks the crap out of him, dude. She bests him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows how much of a ball she is. Um, yeah. And speaking of her, this is the scene where she, you know, she goes down in, in a blaze of glory. She dies. And it's not as impactful towards uh, as impactful towards her because we don't really have, you know, we don't really get to know her that much as a character. Uh, we know some stuff, but nothing serious. Um, we didn't get to spend as much time, but it is well represented in how it impacts the characters, um, in particular Loki. His guilt for sending Cursed to you know the parent he truly loved, it breaks his heart, and his reaction is is great. You know, this is the first time we've seen Loki truly angry. Right. And it's it's great. And the funeral scene afterwards is beautiful is is beautiful visually. Uh as well as the music piece that they play with it. I, I really like it a lot. I love how he like you see him throw all the furniture he, against he, like the wall. takes like a step back, like almost like his head like sinks down and like he does that, that thing, you know, the thing I'm talking about. Like he just like looks like just gasped at what just happened. He stands up and then, like you said, he like all the furniture flies back. Telekinesis blast. Like, yeah. (laughs) Um, He's pissed at himself. Like you can really tell that's like the one time you see, weakness in him yeah and honest to god like that action set piece is probably the the best action set piece in this movie it's probably my favorite scene within this movie spoiler spoiler alert 
It's my favorite thing. Um, what do you think of the sequence when we finally see the destruction in Loki's cell when Thor visits Loki to tell him about his plan? I love it. You see how desperate he is and how upset he is. And I think he really is motivated by his mom dying to actually help out and actually stop being so mischievous in ways to where it like destroys his relationships with other people. Like Mm -hmm. that, that mom should have really made him mad and sad and everything. And I think he wants to get these guys a little bit more than Thor does. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, you just see how emotionally wrecked Loki is um, by his mother's death. He puts on this face that he's not upset and Thor asks him to, you know, stop acting like this and know you're, you know, what it's really like. And then he takes him and you see this, his room is just a wreck. But, I, and I wish we had seen his tantrum. I wish we would have, because I always think showing is better than telling. And in this case, they showed it, but it was the aftermath. Uh, I wish we we would have we would have seen it. That would have been would have been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the escape from Asgard as soon as they escape, and then of course the Cap cameo? Uh that's one of my favorite parts in this. Yes. Um, that was a little bit unexpected to me. I wasn't expecting that. Um. I just that's like the, some of the little Marvel moments that I like yeah, that I enjoy. Like, it was, that's one of the that's one of the better comedy moments. Yeah, it's super funny, <laughs> and you know, Chris Evans uh, acts the crap out of that because you really that that is Chris Evans as Tom Hiddleston playing Captain America. It's mm-hmm. it's it's great. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of him uh, in Scott Pilgrim versus the world or not another teen movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's a banana split. Damn God. <laughs> um, so oh, it's Sunday. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh God. That movie that, 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 that is not a, that is not a good movie. I saw that movie. That's another movie I saw way too young. I saw that movie. <laughs> I think everybody did in our age yeah. group. <laughs> um, but like the thing I like about this sequence in particular, besides the cat part, is you really get to see the banter between uh, Thor and Loki, and it's so good. And you know, you see them act as brothers. And, and work together um and we, we we saw that at the beginning of the first Thor, but you know after that they were kind of you know at each other's throats and they really have such good chemistry with each other and it and it's mm-hmm. it's this you know it's the saving grace of this movie in my opinion i agree and i believe this is the last moment i have thor and loki versus malekith uh, the mm-hmm. confrontation between Thor, Loki, and Malekith on the the home planet that you can pronounce, but I can't. <laughs> Spartalfheim. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> listen, the twist got me when I first saw this movie. Oh yeah, when he stabs Thor, he falls down. He's kicking the crap out of him, and then cuts off mm-hmm. his hand. 
Uh, I was so pissed when I saw this, Ben, because I was like, I knew you couldn't trust him. And then I felt like an idiot. I know. I remember sitting beside you. That's when I woke up. (laughs) 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 After my uh, food coma. Um, um, but no, the, I, I, I think the action in this sequence is great and it just shows how awesome, you know, Thor and Loki are when they work together as characters, when they're on the same side, when they're on on the same page, they can pretty much take out anyone they, they want. They're good. They are so good together. Yes. They are the, the yin and the yang, um, I also, you brought this up a little earlier, how powerful Cursed is. Mm-hmm. He takes Thor to his limit, almost beats him. For real. He, he has, picks up a boulder. Yeah. <laughs> he basically kicks a big, like, chunk of a mountain out. Not a mountain, but, like, you know what I'm saying? And just handles that thing. Yeah, it's, it's you know, he takes Thor. He gets saved by Loki, who sacrifices himself doing that thing with my fingers. Uh, I love seeing Loki though in this sequence get to be a badass after constantly getting his butt kicked in Avengers. Like he got his butt kicked by everyone in Avengers. <clears throat> everyone got the one up on him, but here he shows why he is a threat. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. And Loki's death again, got me the first time I saw it. Cause I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're probably going to kill him off. He's going to, you know, die a hero, everything like that. But then of course it gets, you know, he doesn't die. Um, it- I did not think that was the end of Loki. Really? I did not think that was it for him at all. I knew he was going to come back. Cause I mean, he's always doing his, teleporting or disguising himself or well this is like the second time he's died because they're kind of it's not really i've talked about this on one of the i think it was the avengers podcast with david where i talked about does he die at the end of avengers or not or not that not the end of avengers at the end of thor when he falls into space and then you know, at the in Infinity War, which is a different movie, and we'll cover that. Um, Thanos says no resurrections this time after he kills him there. So, did he resurrect him or not? And if that's the case, Thor or Loki has died several times and has come back in the MCU so many times. If that's the case, because I I don't they're not you know, really committal on did he die at the end of Thor? Not real sure on that one. That's a lot of times he's died and came back. I don't think he died. Don't think he died. I think he was just sucked into a different part of the universe and then he found out about Thanos and all that and or maybe when he was sucked into the black hole, he came out Somewhere near the area um, where that like hooded six fingered dude was, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, like lower your tongue to uh, the tesseract yeah. has awakened. What would it, it is all do but burn? Yeah, that guy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Loki has died a lot. I guess the point is Loki has died a lot and has come back a lot. <laughs> yeah. So no resurrections this time. Well, he did resurrect. We'll see. And, and Loki, the TV show, um, so Can't wait. out of all these sequences, unless you have any more to add, which one is your favorite, my friend? All the sequences in dark world. Um, I'm really thinking. You're really this pondering. Is, sorry that I didn't already have this prepared. No, you're okay, man. Um, I would have to say that my favorite favorite sequence out of all this is the ending sequence. Um, where Malekith is fighting Thor. You like that ending with, battle? And he's like, like his power is really cool. Yeah, I don't understand how it, he has those powers though. When the ether is the reality stone, and it's like warping reality, reality. Like, why was it like this fluid, venom-like darkness that he could cast and everything? And then why, when Thanos used the reality stone, was it just like completely changing everything and warping reality yeah. and all that? Like, I know that in this movie he was trying to use the ether to change all nine rounds and everything, but that's just like, we'll, we'll what cover is it. We'll get to really? it. And does this make sense? Cause I, I have, I, I have an explanation for it. Okay. And we'll, we'll cover it in the, does this make sense? Cause I had that okay. exact same question. I was like, this is, this is weird in comparison to how it gets okay. used later. Uh, but for me, I think I said it earlier. My favorite scene is the attack on Asgard. I really enjoy it. It's it, it is a nice second act uh, or a nice end of first act action sequence that sets up that second act. I I, I really enjoy it. Um, but some things I don't enjoy about this movie. We're gonna move on to worst scenes and moments. You mentioned you liked it. Jane's date sequence. Yes. So I don't like it. This date scene is, it's really annoying. How did, cause it's just the whole Thor and Jane dynamic. I don't buy into. It's very cliched. It is very early 2000s superhero romance where they know each other for like three days. They fall in love. And then, but like, that would that could work if the actor's chemistry worked on screen. But in Thor, their chemistry, I didn't buy it. So I don't really buy into any of their relationship at all uh, for me. If you do, that's awesome. But for me, it just doesn't work. Um, I do have a question, though. How did Darcy know where Jane was? And why did Jane seem so annoyed if it was clear she didn't want to be there anyway when she got into the car? She seemed so um... annoyed that Darcy would just show up and, and uh, ruin her date. That was already seemed to not be going so well with the guy from bridesmaids. Who's always one wanting uh, uh, her to get her tail lights fixed. Okay. So get your tail lights fixed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you remember that. I like bridesmaids, but I love bridesmaids. 
different discussion. Love Bridesmaid. Um, so that scene, it is completely unnecessary, but there are unfortunately things that I like about it. That guy, for one. Oh, he's great. I love when she's just like, other women or uh, other men. He's like, oh, so many. Was <laughs> what is uh sea bass? Sea bass? Sea bass? Sea bass? Sea bass? Sea bass? He's like, you've been hiding behind a menu that only has three options: chicken, vegetarian, or fish. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, you're well, really she, again. First off, why is she even on a date if? Thor is the love of your life, and why, girl? Okay, here's the why? thing: they knew each other for three days. He's been gone for two years. Don't do that, Jane. Don't don't do that. To no, Thor. Jane should move on. Jane should move on to bigger and better things. She has bigger fish to fry. Her world does not revolve around Thor. She's been depressed by him. And she thought she'd never see him again. Like, and Darcy, I love how Darcy just comes in and reveals all her personal information. Like, I can't believe it. Usually I come to your house, you're eating ice cream, wearing sweatpants. Like, (laughs) now you're not. You're on a date. That's awesome. It's like, oh my God, you're revealing all this information and you're ruining a date I don't even want to be on and you seem annoyed. Anyway, I just, I don't like this. (laughs) I know you like I love how she does not care at all she's just darcy she just comes in sits down pulls up a chair eating bread <laughs> yeah she 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 gives zero f's uh, so what do you think about selvig's break breakdown on tv like that shocked me the first time i saw it. him running around naked i was like oh wow yeah, he wow okay really yeah. happened one of the breakdowns yeah well to me, it didn't work as much. It seems like a cheap laugh moment. So the whole excuse behind uh, Dr. Selvig's, you know, thing or his his mind, you know, not being all it was. Is because Loki was in his was in his mind. He was also in Hawkeye's mind. Did Hawkeye have a similar experience? No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recall. So why? Hawkeye also is a little bit stronger minded than I guess Eric. But I mean Eric is I mean they're both Selvig's human and everything, but Selvig has an older mind too. But he's a he's a doctor. He's like a super smart person. And not saying Hawkeye isn't smart, he is, but he's kind of a you know the 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 brunt, you know? So I, I don't, I don't know. True. I don't have an explanation. I don't either. That's a good point. Um, Thor and Jane, their first meeting in two years. So listen, I get. It's I, two years. I, I'm pretty sure. The agent hmm. says two years. Cause I think. The Avengers is supposed to happen in 2011, although the movie came out in 2012. And 2010 is when Thor is supposed to take place. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, that would make sense for this movie to take place some, sometime around two, two years after. 
Okay. Uh, I get Thor and Jane are supposed to have this, you know, quote unquote connection. But again, they only knew each other for three days. So why is she pining over him super hard? Look, I know he's Chris Hemsworth. I know he is a very good looking dude. <laughs> and I know he's technically, a you know, he's a god. But mm. here's the thing. She's got important shit, I'm sure, that she has to handle. No other men on earth can compare, Ben. She's she's gotten a taste and she wants the rest of the of the Thor kitchen. Well, you know, there's plenty of uh, like I just I feel like that's all her character is and I can't wait for Taika Watiti to flip that on its head and actually make Jane Foster, Dr. Jane Foster, the cool character that she is in the comic book because she has like a really awesome arc in the comic book. Um with the whole, you know, she she becomes the god of thunder, if you will. Not the new Thor. Thor is still Thor. She just becomes a worthy and a, you know, god of thunder. And it's, she has a really cool comic arc. And, you know, if they, they go down that road, which it seems like they are, I can't wait to, to see what Taiki, Taika has to do with that. But I just wish that they would make her character more, and I don't like this. It, 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 eh. I know, I guess it has to be there. Um, but my biggest gripe with this is how, why didn't Thor just stop by once he came to Earth, uh, the first time and the Avengers to let her know the deal? Like at the end of, you know, saving the day with Loki and Loki's, you know, captured and everything like that. Why not just, you know, say, hey, Jane, I'm back, you know. Sorry, I'm going to have to leave again, but I'm here, or I was here. Why didn't that happen? <laughs> oh, well, I'm I'm picking this movie apart. I don't mean to be I'm being too hard. That <laughs> it's is all right. I'm, no, I, like I like it. So you're making me think about things. Jane's phone going off. I don't like this <laughs> because it takes the tension right out of the moment and alleviates any sadness that you had when Loki died. It's not a good moment, and it's also a super convenient plot device to get them back to the world after they are stranded. (laughs) (laughs) Don't like it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's, It's not a good moment. No. Because uh, you're already about to have Cat Diddens like, give me your shoe. <laughs> yeah. But she already did that at that point. And also, what song even is that on her phone? Like, I, I don't know that song. I'm gonna need to look it up because it always sounds really cool. I'm always curious when I hear it, but I, I don't know what it is. Also. What is the deal with that phone? That, that the scene doesn't make sense. It's not, it's such a small thing to pick apart, but like, let's do it real quick. Well, I have a phone with a ringtone on it that you don't want. Well, no, no, like she she knows the ringtone, but it's it's her phone is going off. She has signal, which means that they're close to one of those holes that they can jump right in and get to somewhere, and it takes them right to Earth. Because the nine realms are aligning. So she just happens to get cell phone service, which means that they're close to that portal. 
It's a little convenient, but... Anywho. It, it's it's not my... I don't like I don't like that it takes the tension away. I would have liked to live with that tension a little bit longer of Loki. Speaking of not living long with moments, Loki coming back being teased 10 minutes after he dies. I don't like this. This is really really dumb. It takes away all emotional impact of his death after, you know, 10 minutes after he died. Uh it just it walks back all those emotional beats and it's like and I, I hate it when the MCU does that when characters don't stay dead, which I know is a trope in comic books. So it's fitting that it would carry over to to here, but I wish it didn't as much. I expected it. And I also think it's <clears throat> kind of fun because it's a good little cliffhanger for the next one. Like he's Odin now. What is he going to do? He's going to mistreat them people and everything. Well, and I mean, point, you don't know he's Loki. It's the, or you don't know he's Loki. You don't know he's going to become Odin. Cause at the end, I love that when he gets revealed at the end that he's sitting on uh, the throne. I like that. It's when you see him turn into a Asgardian guard on oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a Malachis planet that I can't pronounce. Um, so, out of all these sequences, man, which one is your least favorite? Putting some some thought. probably the Jane's phone going off. It's just unnecessary. Yeah, for me, it's it's Loki coming back, being teased ten minutes after he dies. It just Jane's phone going off does take away the tension, but then the emotional impact also gets taken away from that scene as well. And it's just like ugh. But moving on to something a little bit more positive. Best performance. For me, it's Tom Hiddleston, man. He, again, goes has the best character arc in this movie. He's the best character in this movie. And he also gives the best performance. He is having so much fun in this movie. This is, a I still think, the best low-key performance. Tom Hiddleston just crushes it. He is, he's so good. So, so good in this movie. I think he's incredible. Which, I've given him best performance a few times now. Thor, Avengers, and now. So, he's won it three times. He might be the number one winner of this award so far. Hmm. Who you got, man? Who you got? I want to say... I like Christopher Eccleston as Malekith. You do? I do. And I think it's because I'm such a sucker for that actor. Even though this wasn't a great movie, I loved him as Destro in the first G.I. Joe. And I like him as a villain. I like his accent a lot. But he was really cool as Malekith, and he looked really cool as Malekith. And also, he played a really good, like, scorned villain like something was taken from him just snatched from him yeah um also like you know one of those evil visionaries of how he thinks the universe should be and everything like he did really good of like he did a really good acting of being possessed 
by an infinity stone yeah and like wielding that power like the whole there's something going on inside of my body yep type thing but you know i i think he did really good yeah yeah moving on to does this make sense so we have a few things to discuss here we have seven things to discuss um how is the bifrost back after it was destroyed and then it took dark magic to bring Thor to earth and the Avengers. And it's not even hinted at as to how it got restored here. It's just back. It's just back, man. <laughs> I don't have anything to input on I that mean, one. It's just back, man. There's no explanation. It's just back. <laughs> I like to think Heimdall did all the work. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, Odin says in the beginning that as guardians aren't gods, they live and then they die. Loki corrects him by saying, do humans live for 5,000 years? And I say all that to say this. There is a scene in this movie where Jane is there when she gets there. And he seems to have forgotten that and is treating her as a lesser than. And he, you know, says she belongs there just as much as a goat belongs in a banquet hall. What's going on here? Like, why would he say, you know, you know, as guardians aren't gods, they live and they die, you know, treat people as equals. And all of a sudden he's not as soon as the chips fall. He's, he's proven Loki, right? In this movie, he, the character of Odin reacts how the script needs him to. And not actually how the character I I feel like is it's not consistent with who he was in the first movie. Um, he, you know, he's kind of all all over the place in this movie, and that that leads to the next thing I, I have to say. Odin going he goes hardcore in this movie. Um, he he is hurt. Understand after the death of Frigga. But his actions in this movie are so all over the place. He seems to want war after she dies. When in the last movie, he straight up cast Thor out for starting one. And he refuses to listen to to Thor and his his wisdom. He also says later, stop Thor by any means necessary. If you remember. So it's like, what the... Like... Again... To me, it's not necessarily it, it's a scripting issue. It's not necessarily something that it can't be explained. Yeah, I understand he's angry and he's hurt and you can kind of explain it and chalk it up to that, I guess. But to me, it just seems so inconsistent to who he was in the first movie. In comparison, yeah. You seem awestruck by that <laughs> not really you're just stuck <laughs> um, you're bringing up stuff that I haven't really like thought too deeply about yeah sorry if I'm blowing your mind <laughs> it's okay um dark elves were around before this so this is something you brought up dark elves were around before time so they were probably around before the big bang when this when the stones expanded you know 
mm-hmm. which is what they talk about in Guardians of the Galaxy. So right. So Malekith created an infinity an infinity stone, aka the ether, to plunge the world back into darkness. No, he he just took the stone, the rea- the uh, the the rea- It's the reality stone, right? Right. Yeah. He took the stone and manipulated it to his advantage with the ether. Notice in this movie, he isn't changing reality with it. They never change reality with it. Right. So he's just taking the stone to manipulate it to use it to his own advantage. Right. And like, what was it going to do to the universe? Because, you know, you see him like. It was going to plunge it into. To the convergence. Yeah. It was going to come. Big sky. And it's supposed. Go through that, and that way it can go through to all the other realities, like like or all the other realms. Like, what was it gonna do? Like, that's what he was doing, like trying to change reality so that the whole universe was in darkness. Like, yeah, come on, you trying to turn the lights off? Like, yeah. what the hell? Well, he's trying to plunge it to what it was before, because before time there was nothing except there was there was the dark elves. They were right. around. And now they're all but extinct. Uh, so, except for the one in the uh, the collector has, we, we don't know if he's still around or not. Right. Uh, but I guess it'll be now. Yeah. So the ether was just being used. Uh, it's manipulating the stone essentially. Um. How True. did they get the ether back? At the end of the movie, Malekith is defeated, but we don't see what happens after that to the ether. Right. All right. We, all we see. Well. Yeah. All we see is Lady Sith has it and gives it to the collector. So what the hell happened to it? How did they get it back into that stone? How did they contain it? Yeah. Because like when they hand it to the collector. I mean, in the beginning of the movie, it's literally just between two rocks. Just swimming around in there. Yep. She just reaches her hand in it and it just, like some funky liquid goes into her hand. It's It's between two rocks. And it looks like at the end of the movie, they have it in like a container slash miniature version of those two rocks. Just holding it in there like. Is there something about the two rocks or like the rock, like holding it or whatever? Like, it's not a very secure spot. Yeah, I, I, I have questions about that. And why didn't you address that? I, I want to see because you know, Collector in Guardians of the Galaxy, he mentions that they were transformed into concentrated ingots. Yeah. Um. So questions. I don't like how y'all were just able to do that. Why would Loki give... Speaking of the ether, why would he give it up? If he knew, Wait, what do you mean? Um, why did Loki give up the ether? Because he's being... He's playing Odin. Oh, yeah. And Lady Sif and one of the Warriors 3, I always forget his name, Um, take it to the Collector. But... Why would they do that? 
if Loki can just keep that, it. Maybe that was like off of Loki's radar. Like maybe they did that without telling him. Maybe, maybe they had, maybe they had their suspicions about Loki, and and uh, or about Odin, and thinking he was acting out of character. So maybe they hid it away from him because of that. Yeah, I mean that is a good question though, because like Odin has his, you know, his jewel room where he keeps all the artifacts and stuff from like past battles and dangerous magical objects and stuff like that. Yeah, why wouldn't he just keep it? But at the same time, at what point did Loki assumed the throne and Odin's identity. Yeah, but at the same time, Lady Sif could have thought. That okay, Odin's acting weird. He's acting suspicious. I'm going to take this stone away, and I'm going to hide it, um, where I know no one will look for it. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, that's a good question. Maybe. So that one can can kind of be explained, maybe a little bit. Um, and last one I have here: What happened to the giant frost mo- monster that's still in London? <laughs> what happened to the two jets that just flew through that portal into Van Heim? They come back at the end of the battle because I asked, I was watching it with Carly and I was like, uh, what happened to the jets? And as soon as I say that, they fly in. And I was like, oh, okay, they're there. They're there. They, they flew in. Okay, good. I'm glad those pilots are good. That would suck just to transform into, be transported to a whole nother world. Yeah, where'd you go? I don't have any of my things. So there's there's a couple to choose from here. Uh, Loki, I'm, I'm kind of going to write off Odin um, being so in and out of character. I'm just going to write chalk that up to a scripting issue with the character. Um, uh, the Dark Elves thing, it's that that we kind of talked about and we explained with the ether and the, the reality stone and how that works. Um, talked a little bit about why, you know, why would Loki give it up? Did he give it up? Was it just hidden away by Lady Sif, who could sense that something was going wrong with Loki or with Odin, who is actually Loki? Um, the, the giant fro- frost monster is just chasing birds at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we could assume it was you know apprehended or you know something happened to it uh, what would you do i don't know I, I mean thor flew through the first one in in the first movie so maybe something like that maybe it was friend i don't know um i like to think he's someone's pet i you know what i'd like to think that too um, um i think for me I- that would be a fun little random Easter egg in another movie if they addressed that. That would be pretty cool. That would, that would be funny. I think, like from that far back, damn. Yeah, that's a that that is a nice little pull. Well, they did a pull to this movie in Endgame, which again we'll eventually yeah. cover. Um, so, how did the Bifrost? How did they bring back the Bifrost? I think is mine because it's just there. There's nothing said. There's nothing hinted at. We know that the ether somehow gets. We just don't see how. Um, which I kind of, I guess that kind of falls into the same category as the Bifrost getting restored after it was destroyed. Um, but that to me just that's a big deal because that was a big plot point of the first ending of the first movie, and now it's just up. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's back. It's 
up and running. No big deal. So I think for me, that doesn't make any sense. Mine. You know what? I'm going to go with why would Loki give up the ether? That's a good question. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, That's a good question. In my brain. Sorry, man. Uh, (laughs) It's okay. MVP of the movie, for me, it's the character Loki. He and Thor and their dynamic. Uh, I think that dynamic saves this movie that struggles a lot. Um, Again, I still find this movie to be entertaining, but I don't find it to be very good. Um, And there there is a difference. Um, But for me, it's the the MVP of this movie. it, It is a tie. Uh, of sorts it's the dynamic between thor and loki um who would you give the mvp to darcy so i kept just playing um thinking hard you got your concentration face on christopher eccleston really again wow two-time winner i enjoyed him in this movie he played a good villain even though he's like throwaway villain he played a good villain and he was really cool and and just as a bonus one of my favorite shots ever is when jane discovers the ether and you see him and that helmet's like like opening up yeah that whole set is really cool it is a really cool set i like the red color combo like the elevator ship him coming down and everything it's pretty cool it's different yeah so why would you recommend this movie at the end of the day why would you recommend this movie to someone because it is really cool also it is the first time we see another infinity stone in a while um and you don't even know it when you're watching it initially, it's cool to find out that it is indeed an infinity stone. Um, you get to see more of the different realms that Thor has to deal with besides, you know, the frost realm and, um, earth and Asgard and all that. Um, it is, it's visually, stunning and it is a it is a chapter in the marvel cinematic universe and it is referenced i would recommend it solely to get some of the references that are in the future like when (laughs) thor is given his like drunken story about everything that happened when they're when they're talking about how they're going to get the stuff in the future yeah it's so as far as recommending this movie, like as a movie itself, I don't know if I can recommend it. Um, it's not like with Avengers where, yeah, like here's a thing. I'm the oddball that doesn't like the movie as much, but majority of people really love this movie. So you should probably watch it and take their, their opinion on it. Um, but with this movie, I would, it's so filler and you could probably get by with without watching it in the in the um mcu but like you said there are some callbacks to it within 
Endgame and everything like that. And of course, it, to enjoy Ragnarok, you have to get through this chapter. And Ragnarok is it's one of the best Marvel movies. I love that movie to death. Um, so I'm indifferent on this movie in terms of recommending it or not. But if you love the MCU and if you want to or if you're a completionist like myself, then yeah, watch it. You need to watch it. You need to watch it. But as far as recommending it, I don't know if I can recommend it, but there is a it's 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 fine. It's it's entertaining. That's that's what I'll say. It's entertaining. <laughs> but that is it for this week's show. Cam, thank you so much for joining me. It was a blast. You're very welcome. I'm looking forward to all of our future shows together. I enjoy it. Of course. Um, we'll be back next week to give you guys our quick thoughts on Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and Guardians of the Galaxy, while also giving you guys our in-depth thoughts on Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, reason being is because, similar to Captain America, the first Avenger, I've already covered uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain America, the Winter Soldier. In fact, you and I, Cam, did um, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. And then I also did with Robert Buffard, um, uh, Guards of the Galaxy, which was a ton of fun. But of course, we'll still discuss them next week. Um, I'm looking forward to discussing both of them. Yeah. And if if you want uh, an in-depth conversation on those movies, you can listen to them now. They're in the feed. Uh, but if you're content with just hearing uh, uh, Cameron and I's thoughts on that, We'll be giving them before we get into Avengers Age of Ultron, which I'm I'm pretty excited to discuss. Um, but be sure to hit that subscribe button, like, give us a comment. That would be awesome. Um, and while you're at it, go give me a follow over on Instagram at Ben Davis Movie Podcast, where I keep or give you guys updates on when episodes are dropping and all that good stuff. But Anyways, guys, till next time, stay classy.